for us. So number one, God is powerful and he's more than enough. He is more than enough. He has more than enough power. He can hear us well enough. He's not deaf. His ears aren't short. You know, you have to, you know, sometimes we, we feel like when we go into prayer that, you know, I don't feel nothing. I just don't, I just don't feel nothing. I just don't think my prayers are getting past the ceiling. But that you have to tell yourself that in Matthew, God said, God said, but you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. So he sees me when I pray in secret. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. He sees me when I pray in secret. You have to tell yourself that. So I'm not going to be slack in my prayers because I don't feel, I don't feel I'm waiting to get a goosebump. I'm waiting to feel a tingle. You're not going to feel anything. It's not about your flesh. It's about your spirit connecting with God and talking to God. So, so we're, we're going to press ourselves into prayer because God is powerful and he hears me. He longs to hear me. He's looking for me to worship him. We just don't go in. You know, I think we, we got to follow the model that Jesus did. Our father who art in heaven. Oh, God, you are my father. I'm your child. We go in using the, the prayer as a model and not repeating it over and over. Our Father who art in heaven, God, you are my Father. I am your child. You've made me in the image and likeness of yourself. You are my Father, and I am created just like you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We go in worshiping him. Amen? Hallelujah. Our Father who art in heaven, holy or hallowed is your name. Amen, right? Holy is your name. God, you're holy. God, you're awesome. Tell him what you know about him. You're a healer today, God. God, I remember when you saved me when I didn't know what I was going to do. I remember when, when you fed me when I didn't know how I was going to eat. I remember when you helped me scrape together the rent when I didn't know how I was going to pay it. Amen. You go and worship him and how you know to worship him. And then you have your prayer. I think with all my heart that you ought to be organized when you go in to pray. Right, sis? You ought to be organized. You ought to know, okay, this is Monday. This is what I'm going to pray for my family today. Okay, it's Tuesday. I'm specifically going to pay for my husband. Whether I got one or I don't got one. If I'm believing God for one, I'm going to pray for him on Tuesday because he's out there somewhere, right? Amen. On Wednesday, I'm going to pray for my job or for fruitfulness or for going to another level. Amen. For the areas that are on my dream board, my vision board. You know, organize your prayer life. Don't go in and just get bored and say, okay, God, we're through. Organize purpose to go in with a with a purpose and I know what I want to say and then I want to give time to talk to give God time to talk to me. He's a mighty God today. Can you tell the person sitting next to you he's mighty today? And he's more than enough. His name is Jehovah. And Jehovah means the self-existent, eternal God who is revealing himself. When Moses said, Whom shall I say has sent me? He said, I am that I am. And that means to be who, what, when, where, how, and because. He's the because. Amen. He's the who. He's the what, the when, the where, and the how. Praise God. He's El Shaddai, which in the Hebrew means all-powerful, almighty God. That means there's nothing too hard for him. I remember the first church I went to up above the altar. When you walked in, it said, expect a miracle. So you come in thinking, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, my faith is increased just by looking at the stage. Expect a miracle. And then as you walked out, there was a banner in the back that said, nothing is too hard for God. We got to remind ourselves that he's still a miracle work in God and that nothing is too hard for him. Hallelujah. He's all powerful. Almighty God. Somebody say El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Revelation 1.8. It says, I am the alpha 
and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I am the end. The one who is, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And that Almighty in the Greek is the Pantocrator. We found that, week, that out last week, right? It says the all-ruling, absolute, and universal sovereign. There is, he is God and there is no other. In Psalms, I believe it's chapter 92, it says, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is God today, y'all. He's an everlasting God. He's an almighty God. He's absolute. He's universal and he's sovereign. Deuteronomy 10, 17, it says, God, your God is the God of all gods. He's the master of all masters, a God immense and powerful and awesome. Praise God. Isaiah 40, 25 says, so who is like me? I like it when God talks about himself. So who is like me? Who holds a candle to me, says the Holy One? Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all this? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls each one by name? So magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one. Whoo! Isaiah 40 and verse 27b, it says, God doesn't come and go. God lasts. You ought to put a circle around that right there. God doesn't come and go, but God lasts. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not, but he'll do a new thing. Amen? So he says, he, he doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. His understanding is unsearchable. That's why we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Look who he is. Woo, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we said last week that he's infinite, yet he's intimate. Would you write that down under number two? He's infinite. He's infinite, but yet he's intimate. I know we said it last week and you filled it in last week, but I think it bears repeating that we know that God is so big that he's infinite, but yet he's so focused on you and me that he's intimate with each and every one of us. It's mind boggling to think that God could know everything about me, yet he forgets my sins. Woo, he casts him into the sea of forgetfulness and he remembers them no more. Praise God, he knows my name. He's numbered the hairs of my head. Look at Luke 12, 6 through 7. What's the price of two or three pet canaries? Some loose change, right? But God never overlooks a single one. If God cares about the canaries, come on, says that he pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. Somebody say he's intimate. He knows my thoughts are far off. Every last word on my tongue, he knows it before I say it. Ooh, he's close. He's acquainted with all my ways, David said. He orders my steps. He knew me before I was born, before I was in my mother's womb. He told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I called you a prophet. He knew you before you were ever a twinkle in your mama's eye. He knew you. 
He called you by name. He put gifts and talents and good stuff on the inside of you and scheduled stuff for your life. He put you here. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you and scheduled you and put you in the earth for such a time as this. And not only that, he says, so that you could bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. You are chosen by God. It's awesome. And he's, in, he's infinite, but yet he's intimate. He knows us all by name. Like David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's just it's, I can't even grasp a hold of the fact that you love me so that you even would bend down and know me, God. Psalm 8, 3 through 6, it says, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them. Yet you made them a little lower than yourself, God. And crowned them with glory and honor. Verse 6 is so important and most people don't know this. You gave them charge of everything you made. Putting all things under their authority. You know, some people have asked me before, why? If God is so good, then why does he allow all this bad stuff to happen in earth? Because God's not in charge of the earth. We're in charge. If God was in charge, we wouldn't have no problems. But God is not in charge. He created us and put us here in his image and in his likeness. He said, now go have dominion. He blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over everything. Amen. So it's up to us to do the God stuff that's supposed to happen in the earth. So he put all things under our authority. So look at number three. This is so important. God can do anything, but he will not do it without the participation of man. He can do anything, but he has set the order of the earth. He set the order of the earth. He made the earth. He made mankind. He wrote his own Bible. Amen. We know that it's written by man, but every word is inspired by God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is good and profitable for our lives. Amen. So, you know, that's the order that he set. And so he restricts himself to the order that he has set in the earth. And he set the order that we would pray and be partners with him. God does not want robots. He wants people that love him and care about him and care that will love what he loves and hate what he hates. Amen. And bring, the, bring his will to, to pass in the earth. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Jesus wouldn't have included it in the, in the, in the, the Lord's prayer if he didn't mean for us to bring the will of God to pass. For us to pray the will of God. The will of God is not automatic. The will of God is not automatic. If it were automatic, everybody would get saved. But he gives us the choice. He gives us the choice. So the will of God, it's his will that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You find that over in Timothy. It's his will that everybody would save. However, everybody's not going to get saved. Everybody, he said, some will believe and be saved and some won't and be damned. So not, the will of God is not automatic. It's up to us to let people know who Christ is. Amen? It's up to us to pray. It's up to us to, to know God's will and speak it in the earth. That's what you call mature, mature fruit bearing. Easy for me to say. <laughs> mature fruit bearing. Amen? So the will of God is not automatic. He can do anything, but he will not do it without the participation of man. Psalm 115, 16, it says, The heaven of heavens is for God. But he put us in charge of the earth. Underline that right there. And then I want you to just point to yourself and say, I am in charge. Amen. That's why do you think the devil comes against prayer so big and bad? 
Why do you think your flesh wants to sleep during prayer? Amen. Because it's warfare. This is how we get, this is how we get victory in the earth is through our prayers. Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him who is what? He's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams according to his power that is at work. Where's God's power at work? His power is at work in us so we can get to work in the earth. Hallelujah, somebody. So we got to let his power work in us. What is his power? Our prayer, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like, the flood, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And so we are that standard that he lifts up. When we see where the enemy has come in, in the earth, that's where we lift up a standard in God's name. Amen. When we speak forth his word, when we declare what God says rather than what we see, we are the standard lifters. Amen. We're what he's going to lift up. Praise God. So he's able to do it according to the power that works in us. Message translation says, God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. Woo, that's good. See, he doesn't, he doesn't want robots, but he works with us. Partners. We're partners with him. Amen. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord. Look at this, y'all. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. His eyes are running to and fro. Ezekiel twenty two thirty. Look at this. So I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. See, what had happened here in Ezekiel, he's talking about Israel where they had turned away from God. He said, now I've got to bring judgment on them. Because why? I've set the order of the earth. And now I've got to bring judgment on Israel. And he said, I just looked for one person who would stand between me and Israel so I wouldn't have to destroy it. Like Moses would stand up when God said, get out of the way, Moses. I'm about to kill all of them and start over. Now, God, hold on. (laughs) Hold on, God. What do you think people are going to say about you? If they know you called us out of Egypt and you got us out here in this desert just to kill kill us all. Now, you got to watch out for your own reputation, God. You can't do that. Moses stood in the gap many times between the people and God. So he's looking for us to stand in the gap between people that don't know him. That if they died now, one heartbeat away from eternity. Eternal separation from God. Separated from the life that we live, that we enjoy because we're connected with God. Because we enjoy that fellowship. Amen. People, people need to know that he, that he wants to be with us in that way. It's not something we just do on Sunday. It's something we do 24-7. It's our life. It's, he's our life. We center our, our whole lives around him. And so we're the gap standers. I got a hold of my sister and my brother-in-law with one hand, and I'm standing between them and God, and I'm saying, now, God, you said, let you and your household be saved and baptized. And, and you know, it's a minute-by-minute thing. Because when I think about my sister who has always been an atheist or an agnostic, and, and we've gotten some big arguments, <laughs> you know, but I just stopped arguing, and I said, I'm just going to live. Just live it in front of her. 
but I've got a hold of her and I'm, I'm releasing my faith. God, I know you're not going to let me labor in the lives of all these people and let my family go. Oh, no, 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 no. God, I believe you're raising up people to, to work in her life. Somebody that she'll listen to is going to talk to her. You, the Holy Spirit, are going to talk to her. You're going to send angels to minister to her. I tear down every stronghold, that's every barrier, everything that's got her heart from being stony. I tear it down now in the name of Jesus and declare she has ears to hear your voice, Lord God. Thank you that her heart is tender towards you. And it's not hard, but God, anything that's, that's, that's hardened her, I just ask you, God, to just break it down so that she can feel your presence, so that she'll call on your name. I'm holding on to God, and I'm holding on to her. I'm standing in the gap. Amen. And you've got some family members that you need to stand between. you got some co-workers. you got some neighbors. you got some people that you need to be standing between. Amen. The Bible says their blood will be on our hands. we got to stand in the gap. We know the truth, and we know how to reach God, how to touch God. Go into your room, and when you shut the door, you ain't got to make a show out of it. The prayers that you pray that's just between you and God, those are the ones that really count. Now, it's awesome when we get together and we pray corporately. That's wonderful. And, and you know, one can, can put 1,000 to flight, two can chase 10,000. So we're strong when we're together. But those prayers that you pray in the secret place, he said, he'll reward you openly. One day, y'all just mark my words. You're going to see my sister and brother-in-law walk through that door. Sit down. You're going to see him hear the word. You're, they're going to hear the word with tears streaming down their eyes. They're going to raise their hand for salvation. They're going to come in and serve God with all their heart. Amen. Just, just watch with me. Just believe with me. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. And go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? With all your heart, not with religion, not with religion, but with all my heart, God, I'm searching for you. He said, I'll be found by you, says the Lord. James 4, 8, he says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. Now let's look at number two, the tremendous power of prayer, and we're going to go home. All right, Luke 18, 1, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You know, prayer is a subject that most people don't really want to talk about until somebody shows them the tremendous power that's in it and that it brings to our lives, the fruitfulness that it'll bring to our lives. So number one, the Holy Spirit spoke this sentence to me this morning while I was putting this message together. Y'all ready? There's no substitute for the fruitfulness that can be achieved through our prayers this year. There's some areas that you need to bear fruit in your life that you're not going to get it any other way than through prayer and fasting. Somebody say, no substitute. There's there's no other way you're going to get it. Amen. That's good news because he just handed us the key. That, that part of our fruitfulness this year will manifest because of our commitment to pray. So when you get off the prayer call, have your time in prayer. Or if you're on your way to work and you can't pray during that time, pray while you're on the road if you can and keep from running off the road. But, um, you know, find a time and a place where you can pray. Amen? I just went crazy. All right, John 15, 7 through 8. It said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what did he say? You'll ask what you desire and it might be done for you. Somebody better underline that right there. It shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. 
See, there's some fruitfulness that we're only going to get in prayer. He said, you ask, and it shall be done. James 5, 16, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man does what? Makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Number two, prayer causes breakthrough revelation. How many of you, if there's just, just one wisdom nugget you need to unlock a level of your life you've never lived before? Living without fear and worry, living without anxiety, living without stress, living in the peace of God. Maybe there's some areas that you want to tap into that you've never tapped into before, that you just need a revelation. You need something to go from your head, boom, down into your heart, where it's not something you've just heard over and over, but whoa, boom, that clunks down into my spirit. And, and it's a revelation knowledge from God. Jeremiah 33, 3, what does he say? How do we get that call to me? And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. He'll show you the secret things that you don't know, amen, that you need for your life. James 1, 5, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, what do you do? What does he say do? If there's an area you're deficient, what does he say? Let him what? Let him what? Let him ask of the giving God. In other words, God is, I got all the wisdom you need. What you want? I got it all right here. Just ask. He's just waiting on us to ask. Bible says you have not because you ask not. So we ask. Let him ask the giving God who does what? Who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. So God speaks to us in various ways. The first way is through what? I said it earlier. Who was paying attention? Through his word. Through his word. Through the Bible. Through his word. That's the number one way that he speaks to us. That's the number one way that he speaks to us is through his word. And secondly, it's through our thought life. Through our thought life. The Bible calls it the still small voice. You hear it somewhere about right here. Right here. You hear it in your spirit. It's not something you hear with your natural ears, but you hear it in your spirit. It's the still, small voice of God. One translation says delicate, whispering voice because you don't hear it with your natural ears. You hear it with your spirit. Like this morning when he said there's no substitute, it was almost like you better bold no substitute. I heard him say that in my spirit this morning. So he'll talk to you in your thought life. He'll interrupt your thoughts and say, hey, why don't you text this person? Hey, why don't you do this? Hey, don't go that way. Go this way. That's following the still, small voice of God. And then you have one of those crisscross moments. You have one of those divine appointment mo moments where you were in the right place at the right time. <laughs> Amen. Are y'all getting anything out of this? All right. Praise God. Let me see where I was. Let me see where I was. Right here. Okay. Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Okay. Commit your How do you commit your works to the Lord? How would you do that? By telling them, God, I give this all to you. I cast this care on you because you care for me. How do you commit it? You tell him, God, here, this is too big for me. You're bigger than me. You're better than me. I'm going to give this to you so I can just be in peace, God. I just commit, commit it all to you. Whatever it is you're working on, like this church, I have to give it back to God every day. I have to remind myself, wait a minute, that's not my church. God, that's your church. I'm just a shepherd. That's your building. That's your people. That's your, that's your church. Amen. I have to give it back to him. Otherwise, I'll take on the, the, the weight of it, and I'm not meant to carry that. So there's some things you're carrying. You need to commit to God and let him talk to you about it. 
Let him tell you what to do. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Look at the Amplified. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. Oh, it's hard to do. It's hard to cast your cares on him because we'll go back and get it, won't we? I gave it to him by Indian giver and go back and say, give it back, God. Give it back and lay there and worry all night. Trust him wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts. Look at this. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Whoo, I know I'm right. Number three, prayer causes barriers to be removed. Now you feel like you can't get any further than where you are right now. You'd say my education, I can't get any further because of my education. Can't get any further because of my um, lack of, uh, what's it called, experience. Never had a job like that before, so I, I don't have anything I can put on a resume. How do you know God can open a door for you that you are not even qualified to go through? I was a telemarketer selling club plans on the telephone when somebody came back to get me and said, hey, would you like to try out to be the photographer? I'm like, me? I went in one day from being a telemarketer to being a professional photographer in a studio. That had to be the hand of God on my life. It wasn't even on my radar. But God is able to do stuff like that. I believe he did it just so that I could stand here and tell you about it today. Amen. So, so God can do things in your life. He can cause barriers to be removed. You know, my upbringing was not my fault. It's not my fault I couldn't finish high school. It was not my fault. I had a messed up childhood with messed up parents. So it wasn't my fault. But how do you know God is bigger then the stuff that's not even your fault. And you know what? He's big enough for the stuff that is your fault. Hallelujah. His mercy is new every morning. So he can cause barriers to be removed. Paul and Silas, it wasn't their fault. They were doing the will of God when they cast the demon out of that little slave girl that was going around uh, soothsaying or telling people's fortune or what have you. She had a, a demonic gift. And Paul decided she kept following Paul and Silas and crying after them, saying, look at these men of God. They're real men of God. He got aggravated with them and turned around and said, come out of her in Jesus' name. So when she didn't have that demon anymore, her owners couldn't get no more money out of her. She, she, she couldn't tell no more fortunes. Amen? She'd be prophet lying. So, so yeah, so, so they got arrested for casting the demon for doing God's will. They got arrested, stripped down whipped with many stripes on their lake, naked behind and legs. Whipped all of that. Just imagine. Some of y'all remember what it was like when mom would go out and break one off. And you knew what was coming. Come on over here. And no sense in running. Don't make me chase you. It's going to be worse you make me chase you. <laughs> Some of y'all remember what that feels like on your legs and your behind and your back, everywhere. CPS wasn't like it is right now. <laughs> they just about kill you back in the day. <laughs> and they say, good job, mom and dad. <laughs> no, but y'all know what I'm talking about. They were whipped with many stripes. And, and they put them in the inner prison. So they're bloody, naked, in the inner prison where it's completely dark. Their feet were in stocks. They hadn't done anything wrong but what God asked them to do. And there they were in this horrible predicament, chained up. And the Bible says, about midnight. Where in the world am I? About midnight. Look at it at Acts 16, 25. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What were they doing? You mean after all that, they were still praying? 
after being bloody and naked, chained up in the inner, got their feet in socks, can't even move their feet. But you know what I can do? I can pray. I can still love me some God. They were praying and singing praises to God. Have you ever heard of anything? If, it, if ever there was a time to complain, that was it. But they did not complain. They praised and they, they prayed and they sang hymns to God. And look, it's about more than just you when you're in a, in a terrible fight or something terrible going on. There's barriers in your life. Look what it says here. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know people are watching your life to see what you go through and to see how you're going to handle it. How you, that's, a, that's the opportunity to give praise to God. They say, what is wrong with them? How can they be praising God right now? Woo! They were listening to them. Suddenly, somebody say suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. So what happened was that there was a great earthquake. The doors began to rock and shake and the doors of every door in the prison came open and the chains came off their feet. That was supernatural. So they're standing there in the prison and uh, the jailer is like, oh, my gosh, I'm in such trouble now. So he pulls out his sword to kill himself because he was in charge of all these people. And he's th thinking they're going to all run out and he's going to be disgraced. Back then, there was still a thing in the earth called honor. <laughs> no extra charge for that right there. So the jailer, he, um, Paul call called out to him and he said, hey, hey, hey don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. And so the jailer came in, and it said that he fell down in front of them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? There was, an, there was a, a Philippian jailer there who saw the power of God. And look what happened. This trial, you better know that whatever you're going through is about more than just you. Paul and Silas been in that jail. You can't figure out, God, what are you doing? We cast a demon out. We were doing what you told us to do, and now look at where we are. But look what it did. Look what it did. It caused this jailer to get saved that caused the Philippian church to start. Look at this. Acts 16, 31. So they said, he said, they said the, the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. So now this jailer is supposed to keep them, keep them bound up is now washing their stripes on their back. And immediately he and all his family were what? Baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before him and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. This Philippian jailer got saved. Hallelujah. And his whole household got saved. And see, you can underline that. Having believed God with all his household. Underline that. Having believed God with all his household. And declare, God, my whole household is going to believe on you. Number four. Prayer releases angelic help. It releases angelic help. Angels are there on assignment. Their, their assignment is to minister to us. That's their assignment. Angels, we don't worship them. We don't pray to them. We don't pray to the saints. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so, um, so angels are not to be worshipped, but they are servants to serve us. We're the children of God, and their job is to serve us, to minister to us, to care for us. Amen. So, so Peter was in prison, right? Peter was in prison because Herod decided he was going to start 
persecuting Christians and they killed James, the brother of John, and the Jews liked it so much, they took Peter. He went and got Peter. Oh, they'll really like it if I get Peter. Peter was his right-hand man, right? Woo, they're going to really love me now. Wait till you see this. So he had Peter chained between two guards in the prison, chained between two guards, laying there on the ground. The guards were asleep. And it says that the church prayed for Peter. He pray, the church prayed for Peter. Look, look, Acts 12, 5. It says, Peter was therefore kept in the prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. How many of you know it would be pretty much impossible for Peter to escape? One going to be no jailbreak from that in the natural. Amen. But an angel came and led him out. An angel came in and stood there where Peter was and said, it lit up the whole room, yet them guards stayed asleep. And he went over and said, he, he hit Peter on the side and said, get up, boy. Put your clothes on. Get your shoes on your feet. Angels don't play. They do not play. That's why every time you see an angel appearing to somebody in, in Scripture, they say, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. Because the first thing you do when you see an angel is like, <gasps> the angel got him up on his feet, got him dressed. He said, oh, come on, follow me. Peter just got up. Oh, them guards are just going to sleep right through this. Let's go. <laughs> so they crept all the way out. It said that when they, as they began to creep out, it said that the gate just opened for him all by itself. And the, and, the, and, the, and the angel led him as far as he could lead him. And then once he got to where he knew where he was, the angel was gone like that. And so Peter made his way to the place, where, to Mary's house, where they were all praying. And he gets there and he knocks on the door. He knocks on the door and one of the girls comes to the door and they're like, she's like. Peter, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Open the door. Open the, open the door. Don't make a loud noise. Shh, shh, shh. Just open the door. Let me in. She leaves Peter outside and runs in. Yo, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. Girl, you're tripping. Peter, Peter is in prison. There's no way he's getting out. No, I'm telling you, he's at the door. Well, it's his ghost then. It's not really Peter. Peter's gone. But they went to the door and opened the door. And sure enough, it was Peter. And he's like, shh, shh, shh. Y'all don't make any loud noise. So nobody knows where I am. And then he left and went somewhere else. But I'm telling you, because the church did what? They prayed without ceasing. An angel was sent to lead them out, to lead him out of that situation. I'm telling you, angels are on assignment to minister to you as well. Hebrews 1.4, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Who's inheriting salvation? Wave, wave your hand in here. Come on, there's some ministering angels that are on assignment to minister to you. But they, it happens as we pray. They hearken unto the voice of what the word when they hear the word it says they hearken to it and they go out their angels on assignment because we give voice to the word and then number five prayer causes barrenness to be reversed how many areas do we have in our life where there's no fruit where stuff is not happening hannah was barren and her, and hannah's husband had two wives her and and elkanah and elkanah was elkanah was the husband i think and the other wife oh the other wife was paniah Paniah was just cold. She was just cold. She would give Hannah a hard time because she had all kind of babies. She kept having babies, and Hannah couldn't have any babies. And she'd be like, Hannah, can I use some of your baby oil? Oh, I forgot. You ain't got no babies. She would give her a hard time about not having any babies, and, and it just made things worse for her. So when Hannah couldn't handle it anymore, she wouldn't eat. 
And she got up and she went to the temple and she fell down at the altar in the temple and she began to worship God and she began to cry out with her spirit to God. Said she moved her mouth, but she didn't let any sound come out. So, so Eli, the priest, saw her, said, that girl is drunk. Look at, look at this. So he said, girl, come on, get out of here with your drunk self. She says, no, I'm not drunk. I've just poured out my heart to God. He said, go your way. Rejoice. What you prayed for, it's going to be yours. So she went home and she wasn't sad anymore. She prayed. She prayed and barrenness was reversed. Matthew, let's see, 1 Samuel 1.20 says, before the year was out. Whoo, what if, what if all you need to do was pray? But by this time next year, by this time next year, your miracle came through. Your Boaz was here. Ooh, or that child you've been believing God for, or that course opens up for you, or just a door of favor opens up for you that no man could open. So look what she says. Before the year was out, Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. Number six, prayer causes manifested blessings to be released. Manifested blessings. Somebody say, I ain't hoping for it no more. Manifested blessings in my life. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. God says, ask, and it might be given to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Hallelujah. Never underestimate the power of your prayers and your worship, especially in a, in a terrible situation. Never underestimate it. James 5, 17 through 18. Listen to this. Listen to this. Elijah, the man who called fire down from heaven, called fire down from heaven, put, put all the, all the demonic, all the false gods on notice. We're going to see today whose God is God. And he called down fire from heaven. But it says here in James 5, 17 through 18, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was a man like me who doubted sometimes. A man like me who get frustrated and stressed out. A man like me that would get sad and depressed. A man, a man like me who could tend to deal with anxiety or post-traumatic stress syndrome. You know, he dealt with stuff like you and me. He wasn't special. He was a man with a nature like you and me. He said, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18 says, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So Elijah prayed for rain, and it poured. So God is saying, you're a, you're a man just like Elijah. You pray, and he said, I'm going to answer you. Knock, and the door will be open. Remember the, 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 the parable of the, the widow who kept knocking on the judge's door? Knocking all night long. Jesus said he, she just knock all night long. Hey, you got to get justice for me. And even though he didn't care about the woman, he said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take care of her just because. I don't want her to start worrying me and getting on my nerves. Said that's an unjust judge. How much more will God hear us when we knock? When we keep knocking, you better just keep on knocking for what it is that you're believing God for because God will answer. And prayer brings power for deliverance, number seven. Brings power for deliverance. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. And tell the people they better repent. 
Jonah didn't like the people from Nineveh. They were murderers. They were rapists. They were, they were, they were horrible people. They did things that were so bad you can't even write it in the Bible. They were bad, horrible people. And Jonah did not want to go pray for them to turn around. He said, I'm not going. God said, go pray for Nineveh. I want you to go tell them they better fast. They got three days to get it together. And if they don't, I'm going to destroy all of them. Jonah said, I ain't going. God said, go east. He went west and got on a boat. So Jonah's out in the middle of this boat, and the boat starts to sink. And the, the, all the sailors, they, you know, sailors are real superstitious. Okay, what, what, what happened? What, 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 what have we done? Who's cursed? What happened? And Jonah said, it's me. I'm the problem. I, God told me to go preach in Nineveh, and I wouldn't do it. You better just throw me overboard. So they threw him overboard. <laughs> you got to wait for us. We're some fishermen. We will throw your behind overboard if you're the problem. Threw him overboard. But the, the Bible says that God caused a fish. You know, people say, now, how could this happen? I'm telling you, if it says it in the Bible, it happened. He caused, if he created a fish just for Jonah to be in the right place, he spoke to a fish and told the fish to be there to get Jonah and to capture Jonah in his mouth. Now, I don't know if Jonah died right away, but, if, but you know, just logistics tells me he couldn't live very long like that. But as Jonah was going down into the deep in the stomach or the belly of this whale, the Bible says that he came to his senses. And he cried out to God, and God delivered him. And look, this was the fish that was caused because Jonah didn't obey God. How many times do we get ourselves in situations because we don't obey God? But even then, God says, call to me, and I will answer you. So from the belly of the whale, he cried out, God, I'm sorry. Can I have another chance? And look what happens here. Message translation of Jonah 2 said when my life was slipping away I remembered God and my prayer got through to you made it all the way to your holy temple and look at what happened in verse 10 just 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 three scriptures over he says so the Lord did what you mean God can talk to a fish yeah God spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land where? Right at Nineveh. <laughs> and he went and he preached to Nineveh, and he came out and he watched. And within three days, the people proclaimed a fast, and they repented. And God was able to save those peoples because God wanted to save them. He had a plan to save people, and Jonah was part of that plan. Ooh, praise God. So he went and he preached, and he turned those people around. Esther prayed and a whole nation was saved. Moses prayed and the waters parted. Jacob prayed, said, God, I won't let you go until you bless me. You know, some, some stuff we got to wrestle out of heaven. We wrestle it. God will wrestle with you for us. How bad do you want it? You got to be willing to hold on because some stuff doesn't come easy. Some, some stuff doesn't come easy. But it will come. He can't say that he'd answer and then not answer. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that it's been sown on the good ground of our hearts. And God, we praise you and thank you that we're going to bear fruit because of this word. That Lord, this time, this season of, of prayer and fasting, that it's going to be tremendously fruitful. And Father, our prayers will avail much. So Father, as we go into this time of consecration, as we wear our bracelets, God, we thank you that we're stirred up to pray. We know that angels are going to go forth. We know that, God, you're going to do amazing things. 
as we, as we pray during this season and during this time. God, we call our unsaved loved ones saved. As we write their names on the card and as we call their names before you, Father God, we know that you're able to speak to them in whatever situation they're in. If you could talk to Jonah and a whale, God, you can talk to our loved ones and whatever's got them swallowed up. Thank you, Father. We just call them all saved now in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we'll have eternity together. It's the only thing we get to take with us to heaven. It's people. God, we know that's the thing that you love more than anything. It's people. You so loved, you greatly loved and dearly prized the world that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish and have everlasting life. We believe that, God. So this morning you'd say, Pastor Sally, I'm, I'm here and I know I'm not right with God. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe I, I believed in him, but I never really turned my life over to him. I never really have surrendered and said, God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. At the age of 31, I knelt down in my closet and I threw my hands up and I said, God, I'm through running. You can have my life. And, and that day, my life changed forever. I gave, I gave up control and I let his word and his will be the, the guiding force in my life. I'd never want to live any other way. So you'd say, Pastor Sally, I'm here today, but I know that I'm not right with God. I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I've ever trusted Jesus for my salvation or to be in charge of my life rather than myself. I've never said, not my will, but yours be done, God. So, Father, today is that day. Lord, as I pray with your people, God, I thank you that that our hearts are turned towards you and that, God, we come into the kingdom of God, become your children, and that, Lord, you have your way in our lives. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray just a simple prayer. And if you just repeat it with your mouth and you say it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, God says we will be saved. Jesus came and paid the price for our sins, our misdoings, the things that we do wrong. Because we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But Jesus, God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place because the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death and eternal separation from God. But because God loved us so much, he allowed Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice to come and die for all of us so that we just believe on him and we shall be saved. It's just a beautiful, beautiful plan called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm about to pray. Just decide in your heart that you, that you want to believe God today, that you want to receive him into your heart and your life. See, the Bible says that they took him down from that cross after he'd given his life. No one took it, but he laid it down. He gave his life. They took him down from the cross, and they laid him in a tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. He didn't plan to stay. And after three days, they went to go anoint his body with oil. And when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. And there was an angel who said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here, but he's risen. And that's the gospel of the good news that Jesus is alive. He's defeated death. He's defeated sin. And so now I'm about to pray. And as I pray, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and that God has raised him from the dead, you, you shall be, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I'm about to pray. Here we go. Just repeat this prayer after me and know that you're talking right to God and he's listening. Say, Father, I confess to you 
that I am a sinner. I've messed up, sometimes on purpose. And sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place so that I could have everlasting life with you. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I believe that the Father raised you from the dead on the third day. Be my Lord and my Savior. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name. Well, if you just said that prayer and you meant it in your heart, the, the 